Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Subscribe to the podcast, listen back to the full shows if you've missed any of them and the separate interviews at uh, Spotify, Apple, uh, Acast, the usual places where you would be listening to your audio so you can find us there now. Room 104's Control-Alt-Delete. So round about the science and tech stories from around the world that we feel you should know about. Number four will shock you. I feel as if I work for BuzzFeed now. No, but I don't, but I don't. know. there's a couple of very interesting ones in here this evening. One involving how a dog can tell whether or not you've got the coronavirus or not, which could be great news and make the workplace a hell of a lot more fun while we're trying to live in these uncertain times, which we'll talk about in a few moments. First of all, wouldn't we all like to keep our brains younger for as long as possible? Yes, I definitely feel my memory is dropping drastically. I just have a really bad memory. I've always had a bad memory, but in the last few years, it's gotten worse. Like, I mean, someone could tell me their name, and within five seconds, I've forgotten it. You know, when you start hitting 47, 48 years of age, those things, the neurons start firing a bit slower, and you're just not as sharp as you once were. It's just, it, just, it just happens. Look, it's my birthday, uh, I'm going to say next month, because it's pretty much August now. It's my birthday next month, and I will only be the young age of 32. That's a lie. It's not a lie. I'm going to show you my passport. I showed you my passport. I actually uh, had it. I'm getting Saoirse a a branded Zimmer frame for her 48th birthday. It'll have room on a four. I'll have it. will be all cool. Uh, A year's (laughs) supply of Werther's Originals. Loads of, like, wool so she can start knitting again. I'd love that, yeah. I used to do crocheting. Madness. I'd do bingo, yeah. I'd give bingo a go. I know you would. You know, then hopefully I'll retire from having to use technology then at that yeah. age. It'd be lovely. Um, but memory, it's not the best. But we're maybe able to fix this in the future. <laughs> Maybe able to fix this in the future. So uh, Israeli researchers have been kind of toying with various different uh, devices. One of those, those uh, kind of hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which they've discovered. So you might have seen sometimes athletes will lock themselves into this big, huge, weird tanky thing and they change the oxygen pressure in it and it, it helps give a hell of a lot more, increases their red blood cell count in their body and that's what these hyperbaric oxygen therapy things work. So you're breathing in really, really pure, a high concentrated um, high, highly concentrated, air highly concentrated with oxygen. So it's pretty much pure oxygen that you're inhaling and they found that when you do that and you get these kind of elevated blood oxygen levels, tissues are, can apparently heal a little bit faster and more blood 
um, and more oxygen flows to your brain so you get a higher amount of brain activity and the researchers are finding that several hours in this a couple of times a week has been shown to improve things like your memory and your cognitive function and your uh, all of those other things that start to decline with age and it might be one way which is kind of natural enough that if you have pure oxygen um, you'll be able to kind of delay the uh, mental decline that we'll all experience that's brilliant mm. that's really really good um, and this Obviously, this is used usually when people, if you've ever gone scuba diving and you hear of, you know, the, the bends, where if you come up too quickly from scuba diving, so if you're 30, 20 or 30 metres underneath and, you know, there's different oxygen pressures down there and if you come up too quickly, you can get nitrogen bubbles in your blood, in your veins, and that can yeah. kill you. You can get like a stroke and all those bad things. So they have to put you in these chambers and decompress it. And So we have the the tools already. They found that it greatly improves your memory and greatly slows the decline of a lot of your mental functions. So there you go. If you're looking to improve and keep your brain ticking over a little bit better than before, make you as sharp as you were years ago, hyperbaric oxygen therapy is the thing you're going to need to be looking at for your for your brain. So that's the first story this evening. Moving on. The we last week or the week before, we I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, remember the, the great Twitter hack of 2020 when Elon Musk was tweeting out about Bitcoin and Barack Obama and all these, some of the biggest celebrities on Twitter had all of their accounts hacked? Yes, I do remember this. That was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago and they were, the hackers got access. Turns out how the hackers got access to all of these accounts was... They were able to hack them their way into one of Twitter's main back-end security systems. And from the investigation, it's found that a lot of, some, I shouldn't say a lot, some Twitter employees have been using this Twitter system, this back-end system, to snoop on celebrities' private messages, <gasps> phone numbers, and locations. No! So because Twitter users have to have, there's obviously admin users who have to be able to deactivate your account if you're being like a crazy bold racist and you need to get your account shut down or suspended. They have access to all of our accounts. So there's certain people in Twitter who can, uh, you know, actually, who could take over your account, who can shut it down, who can read all of your DMs, who can see everything you're doing and could, can take it over. And what happened was those hackers got into that system that Twitter has and they exploited that. But they found that certain number of employees have been snooping on celebrities, including Beyonce, and looking into her DMs and finding out where she is based on her IP address um, at, in the moment and being able to track her movements and things like that. So, big problems with Twitter. Very big problems, but it kind of got me thinking. I know this is really bad and we shouldn't be snooping on anyone's private messages, but if you had to pick one celebrity, who would it be? Oh, to snoop on? Yeah, to have a look at their Instagram messages or their Twitter private messages. Oh, that's a great question. Those are so many people. I think I'd probably go Ellen DeGeneres at the moment. <laughs> You'd be See if she's covering him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. You'd wonder. Who, as in, like, what celebrity or politician would you like to see their DMs? Now, you'd think that certain celebrities and certain politicians wouldn't put any incriminating things. Like, let's say you were a married politician with a family. You wouldn't be, like, private messaging people via Instagram or Twitter because that would be easily leaked. You know what I mean? And that's just too high risk. There's a written record yeah. of it there. So you'd imagine that they wouldn't do something like that. But, oh, if you could, that's a great one. Drop us in a text if you know exactly who you'd love to <laughs> snoop on um, and, and, and see into their DMs. God, I, I don't know. There's too honestly, many. I'm trying to think now. I mean, w would you, like, does Trump DM people? I don't know. See, I don't even think Trump would DM people. He just vomits out his mind onto his timeline anyway. He doesn't really keep anything back. See, So I'm not sure if he's getting much. 
you would think like someone like Trump or you know a high profile celebrity wouldn't DM somebody but you get carried away when you're scrolling through Instagram or Twitter or Facebook you do tend to write to people and you might say things that you don't second think I know to yeah to send and then you send it and I mean you can delete it all you want but it's there somewhere someone's going to find it so you're going to be there'd be a log of that yeah they know even if the, the message is deleted it's still going to be on Twitter servers so you're still going to be ruined yeah, I'd just love to know if anyone has been creeping on anyone, if there's anything said, as in, don't say this or don't say that. Because I'm sure they're leaking it to papers and everything. Like, someone knows a friend and they've another person who works in a media outlet, and they're like, here, listen, Beyonce, she's down there, Lady Rockets, go on. Yeah, just is check there any her, truth check her Twitter. to Becky with the good hair? Oh. You know? Yeah. They go, do, do a little bit of... A little bit of snooping on that, yeah. If you know off the bat, who, who would you love to? If you could get away with it, who would you love to snoop on? Who would, whose DMs would you love to have a little rifle through if you could? Oh eight seven six seven nine seven one zero four. Next story: An entire French town has been given free electric cars by Renault. Completely free. For three years, they get these cars completely free, brand new electric cars. That is the coolest thing ever. Why mm. don't we have that here? Uh, I don't know. We can take it up with Renault, but it's obviously a little bit of a PR stunt. But what Renault are apparently trying to do is to try and convince people from small rural towns that electric cars will work for you too, because they've been sold as you know very very good for if you live in a city and you're just taking short trips around the city, happy days. So people who live in more rural areas are kind of like, oh no, it's not going to work for us. So what they've done is they've given uh, everyone in the town of Appy, A P P Y a free car for the next three years. It's one of its brand new electric cars. Uh, Listen, I I should say this, it sounds amazing, and we'll all be like, oh, come on. There's uh, only 25 people who live in Appy anyway. Ah, okay. (laughs) There's the catch. Although in saying that, it's pretty cool to just be given a car for three years, and the likelihood of you continuing to want to drive a car similar would be quite high, wouldn't it? Like, if you liked it and you got used to a car for that long, you might end up staying with the same one. Yeah, you might get used to it as well. So there's only 25 people who live in this small town uh, and what they've done is they've only given a car to every household. So they're only given, <laughs> I think they're only given about six cars to the people in this in this tiny town. So it, it does sound great. It is a great PR stunt. And listen, they're free cars for an entire town, but uh, they've done that for three years. They're getting a free car to show people who live in more secluded rural areas that, you know what, you're still going to be able to get around even though the you know you might get the same mileage out of a petrol car. But you, you know, it's still going to work, hopefully. So that's what they're planning on doing. So that's the small town of Appy, which is a rural farming village in France. They're all getting free cars, or I should say, all of the households that are in Appy are getting free cars. Happy days. Now, now on to the story about dogs. Dogs are being trained in Germany to be able to smell the coronavirus. So rather than you having to get maybe an awkward swab into the back of your, into the back of your face, um, you know, or getting a temperature check on the way into work, you might be able to use... Dogs. That's very cool. This is great, yeah. So there was a, the, I can't even pronounce, can't even pronounce the professor's name, but it's a university over in Germany. With a 94% accuracy, the dogs only trained after one week were able to, were able to pick up the scent of the coronavirus on someone. Still, that's amazing, isn't it? Oh, it's insanely accurate, incredibly yeah. accurate for one week of training. So, as you mentioned already, dogs are used to you know sniff out various different things from different chemicals to explosives to drugs. And the researchers over in Germany who are doing this, these are dogs from the German military, by the way, who are doing this. Um, 
have basically said that very little research has been put into using dogs to try and smell more organic or biological things. Uh, and now they're seeing that the dogs are able to tell accurately 94% of the time whether or not uh, somebody has the coronavirus. So this could be, uh, it's the University of Veterinary Medicine, Hanover. Um, Another reason why dogs are legends. This is it. I just think it would be so much better. I know some people obviously don't like dogs and you're going to have the odd Karen who'll be like, you can't have a dog in here because I'm allergic. Now shut up. But it, I just think it would be a much more positive experience walking back to the office or going back to the shop or going back to the to the retail place and rather than having to get scanned by a, a weird-looking dystopian gun or get scanned by this camera on the way in to see whether you have a temperature, that you have a cute little puppy running up to you, sniffing you, and then letting you know whether you can go in or not. Oh, it'd be so cute. Now, would there be any harm in them getting the coronavirus from somebody that might pass it on? Uh, I don't know, is the honest question. I, I, I don't know. So I think they smell changes in a person's um, metabolism and enzymes that they're giving off, I think, as opposed to smelling the virus itself. Um, so they're not, like, sniffing up the virus. Then that would be... They'd be having a bad time then. That wouldn't be very, very nice because I don't know if, if any dogs have gotten the coronavirus, but we did see confirmation, was it yesterday the day before, that a cat has tested positive in the UK for having the coronavirus. Yes, we did see that, yeah. So that's it. I just I just think offices and shops that can be a little bit intimidating now, especially if everyone's masked up, if it looks more clinical than before, <clears throat> if you've got the big sheets dividing everything and everyone's all serious, just break the tension with a, a beautiful little corona sniffer dog. Imagine every office had to have a dog. <laughs> yeah, that should be the new campaign. Michal Martin, if you're listening, this is what we want for the new uh, Phase 4 rollout, that every dog and shopping centre and office and building site and wherever it is and every gym has to have a coronavirus sniffer dog and they will be the person who lets you in or not, not a stupid scary machine. Amazing. Yeah, I, I definitely get bored of that. Yeah, I think that's what we want. I think that's what we're going to push for. But there you go. Uh, any, anything more on that? We will uh, keep you up to date on that. But the final story, if you're into your space travel, as we know, uh, Space Virgin Galactic, Richard Branson's company, is uh, obviously set its sights on uh, space tourism over the next few years. And they have revealed the interior of their cabin that you will be sitting in if you have enough money to take a trip to the edge of space. Um, it, it'll only cost you... $250,000 for a ticket on the Virgin Galactic space flight. Wow. Yeah, a lot of money. So this will only be for billionaires, by the way. None of us poor people will be going to space anytime soon. But they've revealed the pictures of the actual cabin and they have put a lot of uh, a lot of windows. It's fancy leather, very modern, but they've just put a hell of a lot of windows in it. So there'll be a window above your head, there'll be a window to the left of you, and a lot of open uh, open glass, or as much as possible so the thing doesn't fall apart. But you'll be able to get a decent view of space when you fly in there on their uh, spaceship. See, that would be my worst nightmare. I'd be so petrified of travelling mm. to space that, you know, especially with glass windows where you're seeing everything yeah. I think I'd be I wouldn't be I'd be a nervous wreck I wouldn't be well um, they do look very nice and they have like they're all reclining chairs so you can sit in and you can lean back and you can look out the, the windows and see space uh, as you're going up and as you're kind of floating away but yeah you're, you have to have a serious serious amount of money to be able to afford that would you pay for that now for yourself if you had the money if I, if I was a billionaire, I would definitely go to space, yeah. Do you know what? I think I'd take the second flight. Yeah, you see, nobody wants to take that first flight because you're a billionaire, 
Who is a billionaire? Very few people mm. in the whole world. You have so much to look forward to doing. You can do anything you want. You don't want to risk your life. <laughs> you don't want to, you know, spend that money and then end up not making it to space. And, that's and the end, end up dead. You. Yeah. yeah, you're like, this was fun, but I'm dead now, so that's unfortunate. But <laughs> we're going to have, it's going to create a new level of annoying influencers on Instagram. The kids of billionaires will have space selfies. Oh, wow. That will be a whole new level. That'll be a whole new level of depressing, won't it? So this is apparently happening. Um, they hope, Virgin Galactic hopes that space tourism will kick off 2023 and they're going to be launching passengers into space every 32 hours. God, that's pretty frequent, isn't it? I know, yeah. And that's the other thing you'd worry. Like, how can they do that with such a quick turnaround? Is it going to be like mm. a Ryanair flight where you're like, in, get out, come on now, out we go. They'll be selling you space scratch cards on the way down. Yeah, and then they'll have to, in time, you know, upgrade to an even better spatial experience. Mm. They'll cost like triple the amount. <laughs> so uh, if you want to go, you can go Google this anyway. The pictures have been released online. Um, been interesting. If you're a billionaire, happy days. But we'll only be able to see the, the space billionaire selfies on Instagram after it's done. 2023, the interior has finally been uh, revealed and, and launched. In, they're hoping to launch the first commercial space flights in the next couple of years by 2023. That is your roundup um, of your science and news stories and tech stories this evening. If you've missed anything, if you'd like us to include anything, we might have uh, uh, we might have missed. Uh, let us know. 87 and we'll be sure to uh, include it. Uh, on FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Now, a new breakthrough might make that a thing of the past. And also, why, uh, if you're married, June, July and August, the summer months, uh, are when you're more likely to cheat on your other half. So what's going on there? We'll find out shortly. We were chatting there just about uh, the Twitter hacks and dogs being able to smell the coronavirus off people now. Uh, thank you for this message in about their dogs from uh, Giselle, I think it is. Again, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, let me know. Uh, dogs are amazing animals. My last two dogs... No one knew when my blood sugar was high or low. They lay on me and follow me everywhere until they know I have sorted everything out. It's amazing. We never thought them anything. They just sense something is wrong. That's insane. See, that's why I love them. I really do. Now, I always say that I have a cat and prefer cats, but I lie. I I do definitely prefer dogs. They're useful. (laughs) If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Incredibly useful with stuff like that. Uh, we were also talking about uh, the Twitter hack that happened last week or the week before when some of the biggest accounts on Twitter... Elon Musk, Barack Obama, all their Twitter accounts got hacked and people were posting things about Bitcoin. Turns out that Twitter has uh, an admin panel that uh, certain Twitter employees have access to, which can take over loads of people's accounts. And it turns out that a lot of people were snooping on celebrities. A lot of Twitter employees were snooping on celebrities, tracking their movements via IP addresses, snooping in their DMs. We were asking, you know, what or who, whose DMs would you love to have a little nose through? Leo's Twitter would be a good one to get into. Would you like to get into Tarnish the Leo Varadkar's uh, DMs to see who he's been messaging on Twitter and see how that goes? Uh, that comes yes. in from Martin, yeah. That'd be yeah. An, an interesting one. Like, maybe, maybe like, you'd think, like, company executives, CEOs of big companies who might be trading, so you might figure out, is it going to be a good year or a bad year for them? But are they going to be releasing a lot of that like Mark Zuckerberg's DMs would you he probably doesn't even send DMs because he's no he knows how corrupt or how easily breachable the messaging services are that he's probably like no nah, I'm not putting I'm not putting anything uh, on that like he he apparently puts tape over his webcam on his laptop okay because he's so afraid of getting hacked making sure that no one will be able to see what he's up to yeah see he'd be well in the know you know that you can get hacked very easily and I think he'd be smart enough to not be writing messages to random people or saying anything that he wouldn't want to get out there but I think maybe someone who comes across as very um, goody two-shoes you know a do-gooder does everything by the book and then you go through their messages and find out that they're actually oh they have a dark side yeah I love that what's going on here the freaky stuff coming out in the DMs Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, let us know who, what celebrity, politician, famous person, um, if you could snoop on their DMs and get away with it just once, whose would you go through? 0876797104, let us know. On the way next, why does cheating between people and especially married couples increase in the summer uh, compared to any other time during the year? We're going to be chatting to uh, Lucy Bershford, who is a psychotherapist and also an author in the area. She'll be talking about why infidel- infidelity seems to increase during the summer months. That's on the way next year. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. It's Cormac and Saoirse here. And uh, if, if it's to be believed, summertime is when we will see an increase in, in cheating, not only from people who might be in unmarried, you know, romances or relationships as well but turns out that there is an increase in infidelities when it comes to married couples as well. Uh, Ashley Madison you might have heard of that site, it surveyed 2,000 of its members, It's a you could say it's a, it's a bold dating site for uh, people who are in relationships who might want to try playing away from home and being naughty and trying not to get caught but apparently a fifth of people that they studied admitted to having gone on holiday with a person that they were having an affair with. Now that's that's like big league cheating. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. And I don't know how people find the time to do this. So if you were going on holiday with somebody, I mean, how are you 
covering that up to your partner unless you maybe were working abroad anyway but even at that someone could see you in the airport someone could spot you on a plane someone could spot you in the location you're in you can't really get away from anything unless unless you're going away with like another family or another couple and you're doing it behind their back you know kind of like a group holiday maybe a one night stand if, it, if you were going out maybe to a club or something I might understand it but like an affair that's pretty intense isn't it yeah, uh, listen, it is a part. So, you know, keep your eyes on your partner. Keep that leash closer because if you're going on holidays with people, if they're going on a business trip or trips away with the lads, maybe, maybe there's no lads involved. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe it's an illicit affair that they're having. Listen, to join us now to talk a little bit more about why this happens, how it happens, she's a relationship expert, broadcaster, writer, psychotherapist as well. We are delighted to welcome on the show Lucy Bershford. How are you, Lucy? I'm really well. Thank you very much. I love the way you were sort of trying to speculate as to how it happens, all the different scenarios. <laughs> we're trying I to work it out understand. as we go along. Yeah, we're trying to understand how. Because, I mean, I think I know Cormac well enough. I think you know me well enough that I could definitely say you wouldn't cheat on your partner and I wouldn't cheat if, if I was engaged or if I was married. Where do people find the time to cheat? And if they do, is there a particular type of person that does this? Well, I think if you want something badly enough, then you will find a way. It's why so many of us kind of give up on diets or exercise regimes is because deep down we're not really that focused on it. But if you want to get your emotional needs met, your sexual needs met, and that becomes such a priority for you, then you will find a way to make it happen. And I guess sites like Ashley Madison do at least give you the forum to meet people who have a similar perspective And I I think we have to recognise that lockdown has been a very intense experience for couples. Many of them have been, Mm -hmm. you know, in lockdown together. And that in itself can leave you feeling that you want something totally new. You want something, you want to be reinvigorated in a particular way. And I thought it was really interesting when you mentioned one night stands, because from this research, over 70 percent of women talk about one night stands or a or a fling um, as as being a way to make them feel alive, feel valued, but also to feel that they've got their emotional needs met. So th- that would be one particular way of doing it. One night stands and flings, really. So Sushi, if you are planning on doing that, you, the one night stand is an option open to you. But then is there a, is there a difference in patterns then between the cheating patterns of men versus women yes this research threw up some quite interesting information which was that women are nearly twice as likely as men to go for that one night stand which suggests that they are looking for something flirty something you know something quite short-lived something that gives them a bit of a, a buzz whereas only a third of men are interested in that as their affair of preference, they are more interested in something longer term. It's almost as if they want the stability, they want that longer term commitment, whereas women are seeking an option to feel differently about themselves, almost like a form of reinvention. This is strange because that sounds like role reversal for what the stereotypes would be between men and women, that men just want to go out and get laid and women are the emotional ones. So you're saying that men are more emotionally insecure and need another girlfriend to love them and care for them and women just have an itch to scratch. And you pretty much put it so beautifully. Yes, I don't know whether I would say it was an itch to scratch because that (laughs) gives a whole other kind of image. But definitely when it comes to playing away on holiday, those the gender divide that as we would have in our our head seems to be upended. And nevertheless, what both genders are saying is that having an affair 
allows them to sort of feel more alive, to feel more complete again. And therefore that speaks to what you were saying, that maybe for men that comes in the context of something longer term, whereas for women it needs to be about the thrill of something new, something more exciting. Yeah, I think as a woman anyway, from personal experience, I don't think I could have an affair because it's it's nearly like you're meeting someone, you're connecting with them and it's that connection that you would feel guilty on your partner, I would imagine. Whereas if it was kind of a one night stand, I can kind of understand if you weren't maybe getting the attention at home and someone was giving you lots of attention and then you go and do the deed and then the next day you try and forget about it. Whereas I don't understand men that would prefer, you know, a long-term kind of nearly another relationship is it because they're lacking in something from from home general view is that affairs must be about sex and what the research shows and what so many studies have shown is that it's actually not just about the sexual act it's more about the person that you are or the person that you become in that next relationship in that new relationship and that's why i guess we see a lot of married people at least fantasizing about it or going on to sites like Ashley Medicine because the relationship that they're in you do go into grooves you create little ruts for yourself as a couple and the longer you are together the more those sort of grooves wear away at your sense of who you are and sometimes you like who you are in that couple but it's not enough and this is why other research has often showed that people have affairs not to split up their existing relationship they're in a way they're doing it almost to keep their primary relationship alive because they fear that if they don't have an affair not that this is necessarily condoning it but the the theory goes that if you have an affair you're more likely to be able to tolerate the things that wind you up or that annoy you in your existing relationship so it's people don't necessarily have an affair in order to split up their their primary relationship it's more about who they are when they're in that next relationship. That would be a very tough sell as well, I imagine, going back to the missus and saying, the reason I slept with your best friend is to keep us together. <laughs> you exactly. know, I'm, I'm doing this uh, for and- us. And it didn't really matter what gender it was. If, if a wife said, I, I was doing this to save our marriage, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't sound so great for the person on the uh, receiving end of that statement. But nevertheless, that is the mental calculation that a lot of people do make. They don't necessarily want to get divorced. They might not want to lose access to their children. They like the life or the lifestyle that they've got. But there is something missing. And I think what we're seeing... What this study in particular showed, or the thing that really struck me, was that increasingly it's women who are taking control of their emotional fulfillment, their sexual fulfillment, and as lockdown eases, I guess, and obviously it's the summer, it's the holiday season, women are turning to how to put their needs first, more so than they have ever done before. So we're seeing more of an increase now than any other time of the year? Oh, definitely. And and that's partly because of the way that the seasons work as well, because you, uh, you know, the, the, the sun releases quite a lot of serotonin, which is a sort of feel-good hormone that we have and that's why often people feel more frisky when they're off on holiday or they're they're having some downtime is because actually you feel better, you feel warmer, you feel more sexy, you feel more attractive. And so it's not really a surprise that when it comes to summer, that is the time when a lot of people think, well, yeah, maybe there is uh, an opportunity for me here. And if the chemistry is there, 
then why not give in to that? Uh, if you've just tuned in, we're talking to uh, Lucy Bershford, who's a relationship expert, um, about how there seems to be a bit of a spike in infidelity and playing away from home during the, the summer months and what we can do about that. But as a, a psychotherapist, Lucy, as well, you've obviously had real-life one-to-one situations where you're sitting down with people or couples who are going through this. And Saoirse is of the belief that if someone cheats, good luck, see you, bye, it's over and it is unsalvageable. But in your experience, have you ever been able to work with couples who were genuinely able to get past the cheating and infidelities and, you know, move on from it and be stronger as a result of it? Absolutely, yes. In fact, I um, I gave a TED talk um, a year or so back, which is on that topic completely, and it's it's titled Infidelity to Stay or Go. And it is exploring that very idea because, as you say, that the, the received wisdom is would, that you would uh, find out that your partner had betrayed you and you'd show them the door and that would be the end of it. Mm. But on... And that's fine on paper, but when you're actually in the relationship and there are lots of other components, maybe you've been together a long time or you still love this person, that actually it's harder to untangle yourself and be so clear cut about it. And also you might be throwing away some really, really good bits about the relationship, because I think what's very what's very interesting about affairs is that they are themselves a commentary on a relationship as to whether it's going well or not. And sometimes the person who has the affair might say, you know, I haven't been entirely happy in this relationship. And the other person says, well, funnily enough, I wasn't very happy either. Can we talk about this together? You you thought that having an affair might solve it. I've been sitting here, you know, looking after your elderly mother or looking after the children or going out and earning a, a crust for us to eat. Let's sit down and talk about the way in which our relationship has gone off track that has led us to be unhappy, that has led you to do this thing. There are obviously things that the the betrayer needs to do to repair the trust, and it takes a long time. I'm not saying it's a one conversation and you're done situation, but there are definitely ways, and I've worked with many, many couples who've been in this situation who have worked really, really hard, and, and both sides have to work hard at it, but they have ended up with a stronger relationship where both parties feel heard, feel understood and feel fulfilled by the relationship which they didn't feel before the betrayal was discovered. It's a tough one. I don't think I would be able to to get over it. I know obviously it would take a lot of time and effort but I just think that would just be in there in my head and I'd be waking up during the night wanting to, you know, kill him. (laughs) (laughs) Just so you know, that's a warning. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a warning, 100%. Again, and I'm not here to minimise the pain of it. It is utterly, utterly devastating when it happens. And as a result, uh, you know, it's painful on both sides because sometimes the person who's had the affair genuinely has no intention of their primary relationship breaking down, but then that they run the risk that that is what happens. And so suddenly you have these two people who kind of come to see someone like me And they actually genuinely want to know, is there anything we can do? Can we make this work? And as I say, it takes a lot of effort, not just because the person who's betrayed the trust has to do so much spade work to repair it, but also, as you were saying, that you you yourself might be constantly thinking about it. So you will also need to have a lot of help to come to terms with things 
not to condone it, that's not what I'm suggesting at all, but to, to move past it and to understand what that particular episode was trying to tell you about your relationship and what was lacking. Yeah, Which is not to say that you are to blame for your partner's infidelity. That is not what I'm saying. But even if your partner is 99% responsible for the pain that you are now going through, there is still that 1% of you in that relationship that led it to be less than enjoyable. I cannot even begin to imagine, Lucy, the types of conversations that you have to actually have with people who are going through this situation because yeah. it must be chaos and like walking on minefields and just, as you said, guiding people through that in insane amount of complexity and pain and all of the other stuff. But fair play to you for actually doing it. I think you must have uh, and must need to be or have the patience of a saint. But listen, Lucy, we appreciate you coming on and having a chat with us this evening. Before we let you go, as uh, you mentioned, you have your uh, TED Talk up there, uh, Infidelity to Stay or to Go, which you should check out if you haven't done so already but um, any other social media uh, channels or websites you want to give a quick plug before we let you go oh they're so kind twitter at lucy beresford and instagram the lucy beresford one brilliant well there you go uh, thanks a million for speaking with us to see fm 104's room 104 podcast with cormac moore and sir shalong Mark and Saoirse here and uh, we're going to talk now about the biology, the intricate biology behind sweating. Now I am one for sweating profusely, not necessarily smelling. I, I, I don't smell that bad when I, when, I, when I sweat. I just kind of lose all liquid and fluids inside me. But I know some people can unfortunately smell horrifically bad. Yeah, do you know what's really interesting? I've had many boyfriends, obviously, throughout my life. Some of them stank. Now, wouldn't have actually been sweaters, as you said, like sweat easily, but just body odour could have been quite bad at times. You know, you'd be lying across them and you're like, Jesus, that's bad. So definitely... And you sure it wasn't you that. now that you were just smelling yourself going, my no. God, and attributing to them? Weirdly enough, I don't smell too bad. Obviously, you know, if you didn't shower for a while or after a heavy night of um, partying, you might smell a little bit the next day. But whiffing of body odour, not really. Well, that's good. That's good. I think we've all been stuck beside somebody who might have it. Uh, and I know it's probably they probably don't want it. And probably some people might struggle with this. But to uh, talk to us more about the specific things that make us sweat and make us maybe sweat worse than other people do and give us various different odours. From the University of York's Department of Biology, we are delighted to welcome on Dr. Michelle Rudden. Doctor, how are things? Hi, thank you for having me. Delighted to be on your show. No worries. We haven't got to the stage of technological development yet where we can like broadcast smells, but who knows? That might be coming down the line <laughs> sooner rather than later. But um, general question first, why, why do we smell as like animals or as humans? No. Body odors are a natural um, phenomenon that, like, is a part of the human condition. But the way we, when we talk about like the characteristic body odor from humans, it's actually the byproduct of um, bacterial metabolism from your sweat. So, so it's not actually the sweating that causes the smell. No, absolutely. And we've we've kind of known this like from some previous research that we've done. Like you, um, we like to think of you have two different types of sweat. Kind of the sweat that cools you down after you exercise, and you might have noticed that that's not smelly, and then you have another type of sweat that is secreted from your underarm and it's that sweat that the bacteria that live in the surface of your underarm kind of take it up, eat it up and then they kind of spit out these volatile smelly molecules that we call body odour. So technically if you stank 
and maybe you were working with a lot of people and you stank them up and they complained about you, you could turn around and say, technically, it's not me, it's the bacteria. So have a word with them. Definitely not you. It's always the bacteria. <laughs> so what we've done in our latest research is kind of we've really delved inside the particular bacteria and sort of discovered the biological mechanism of how they actually produce body odour. And why do some people smell way worse than others? Well, I mean, I definitely can't answer that. For it, but I, I know, I've, anecdotally, I've heard this all the time, especially because we work in um, body odour research uh, and we you know there can be a couple of different things that might influence um, why people smell differently um, obviously diet age genetics can all have an impact but you also secrete these odorless molecules in your sweat so one of the thinking we are is, is do you actually secrete less of those odorless compounds for the bacteria to feed on or do you simply have less of the odor producing bacteria in your underarm so there could be some nice interplay between those two dynamics we don't really know for sure but you've identified this specific enzyme which causes the traditional for want of a better word body odor smell yes absolutely and this is um this has not been discovered before so in your underarm you've obviously got lots of different types of bacteria that kind of live naturally as part of your microbiome there so what we found is in a particular group of those bacteria this enzyme it, it can be present in a lot of bacteria but it's kind in in this particular group it's evolved this kind of specificity to sort of feed off the body odor precursor that we secrete so we were able to look at this enzyme in a lot of detail get the crystal structure of it and identify this kind of unique little pocket that shows that it really likes to feed on these human derived pre- um, odorless precursors that makes the body odor and is there a way to stop the smell well yeah this is where you know um this kind of research is aimed at like trying to develop some mm. technology that can you know because um maybe if you're familiar with other deodorants and antiperspirants they're kind of like a general i suppose anti-odor um, technology whereas now we're kind of saying that we've identified this particular enzyme which is is responsible for the really characteristic body odor smell and because we've got the structure of it we can really pinpoint how it actually breaks these molecules down so yeah in theory what we would like to do next is kind of identify maybe small molecules or some type of some other molecules that might potentially inhibit the enzyme therefore the bacteria would not be able to break down the odorless precursors obviously preventing BO. And then are you guys going to be able to patent any of this technology and then have the world's greatest deodorant and become <laughs> billionaires? Oh, I hope so. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, we don't have any of these molecules um, available at the moment, but like this really is the kind of foundations for developing that technology. And this uh, research is in collaboration with Unilever, who are world leading in anti-deodorant and antiperspirant technology. So hopefully down the line, there could be um, yeah some cool new deodorants for people to try out and hopefully work and may yeah, take the stock options take the stock options early and be like hey listen <laughs> yeah. g- give me all this before we commercialize this and just on um, yeah. a random personal note you mentioned obviously the two different types of sweating there at the start one is the, this odorless one that maybe regulates your temperature and one is the one that generates uh, the bo I- i'm the type of person and I'm, i know we've chatted to other people on the show i will any sort of physical act- physical activity and i'm drenched as it said from top to toe i'm just drenched now what does that say about my biology is there something wrong with me or, or what's going on there? <laughs> no, absolutely nothing wrong with you. It's perfectly normal. I mean, we do get acid quite a lot. But, you know, when you sweat and you exercise, obviously your body um, can heat up quite rapidly. You're obviously doing, you're obviously working really hard. But um, I'm not talking, you, this is the scary thing. He all. just sits oh. there and he's sweating. It's freezing cold and I have pneumonia <laughs> yeah. and he's dying of, I don't know what. Yeah, well, you're, you're, you, you fit 
physically, but your body is working really hard. And um, so essentially that's like your body's way of like rapidly cooling you down. And when you sweat like that, you kind of just primarily produce salts and waters and that evaporates off your skin really quickly and that's what cools you down. Whereas the other type of sweat, it's got loads of other stuff in it, loads of goodies for like the bacteria, but it's got like fats and yeah. proteins in it and those compounds. So they're, they're physically quite different. I, and like, would there be any reason to want to, as I said, stop it? Because I've always wondered, is there a way to prevent yourself? Like if I was to try and stop that, would that be... You know, dangerous because, as you said, it's serving a biological function to cool you down. Well, we we have evolved as humans to like sweat really good. You know, I think that's what the mm. with from other other primates and stuff like that. So yes, like uh, when you talk about like the type of sweat that cools you down, that is an essential process that a human body needs. Whereas when we're talking about the sweat that comes and makes your body odor, we can't really you know give that a physiological function. So mm. in terms of modern humans, we can't say like why is body odor important, and it doesn't really seem to be important anymore and it's most certainly a cosmetic problem for a lot of people because they're not a big fan of it. I know you're talking about under your arms that's where the the smell kind of comes from it's like under the layers of the skin but is that the same then with the feet because elsewhere you don't really smell like your arms wouldn't smell your back or the back of your neck. So yeah that's a, that's a really interesting question. The reason why you uh, have like the the body odor specifically associated with the underarm is because that particular type of sweat gland is found in your underground in your underarm sorry and it's very highly densely populated there and it's only located in your underarm and if you're interested in your like groin region as well whereas the other type of sweat gland that cools you down is located all over your body and if you're like me you sometimes are a nervous sweater like in the palms of your hand and the sole of your feet have lots and lots of these types of sweat glands that cool you down and that's why you get this excessive sweating you know sometimes you might get it if you're nervous and stuff like that but um because they're really densely FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalong. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.